Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Then go over to morbidlybeautiful.com as we are now part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. Now, here is a motion picture film. Showtime! Do the bimes. Say hello to my little friend! Go ahead. Make my day. Come quietly or there will be trouble. I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Inconceivable! Welcome to the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm sorry, boys. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that. Django! Django, have you always been alone? Django! Django, have you never... There's only really one proper way to start this, and you have to hear that song because... Every time you say the word Django, <laughs> this song plays in your brain. <laughs> right? I mean, like, anytime you hear the word, just like that. <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. Uh, uh, so this is the latest edition of the All-American Spook Show. I'm Josh. I'm joined here with Donnie. Hey. <laughs> and the Professor Smoke. It's up. Will could not join us, this and, and, you know, as always, it's a damn shame. He's on assignment. I wish he was here for this one because I, I don't know how much of a Western guy he is or an older movie guy he is. I haven't been able to get a peg a good read on him as far as the older stuff goes. And on top of that, this being Django from 1966, here for our latest cult yeah. corner, it's also an Italian movie, right? It's a spaghetti Western. So, like... <laughs> Will doesn't have the greatest track record as far as Italian film goes, so like, I, I wish he was here just just so we could see if he feels any differently because this is a western as opposed to uh, you know a giallo, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's. I mean, if we can think of it right now, how many Italian films have we done? We did Suspiria was the first one, and he hated that one pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Almost yep. hated it. Pretty much hated it. Yeah, didn't like it. His rating was. I don't have his rating right off the top of my head, but it's it was low, right? In the two stars or below? It was yeah, I'm Somewhere pretty there. sure it was below two, yeah. And then we did Demons, right? Demon. Yeah. Mm. Is that it? Besides, is this the only the third Italian film we've got to on the podcast? It could be. I could be I mean maybe there's another one split slide. Well, not in counting not counting Brian House, you know. Yeah, yeah, we haven't yeah, we're not kind of on the main show here proper, yeah. I think it's just those two. Um, which we need to change that. We need to get some more, you know, not just to fuck with Will, right? But just <laughs> I think it would just be good to get some more here on the main show, so maybe we can get some of that in. But yeah, it's, I wish he was here just so we could uh, get this song stuck in his head. <laughs> if nothing else, so there's that. But maybe we'll get his thoughts on it. Hopefully he gets around to watching it, if he hasn't already, and we'll get his thoughts on it eventually. But um, yeah, before we, we dive into it, I guess uh, it, it's just as good a time as now any to remind you to go head over to aaspookshow.com. That's the center of the Spook Show universe. You can go to our YouTube from there. You can go uh, uh, our past archives. You can hit our Patreon from there. It's also patreon.com slash aaspookshow where you can find all, all of the uh, the cool random stuff that we've done 
um, on, on Patreon, but more specifically, every month we give you a, a brand new Crapster Piece Theater. Um, that, that's the main event really. And of course we have our mini sodes every month where we do the library of the professor. That's another cool thing that we do. Lots of other cool things there. So we encourage you to go to aaspookshow.com and check all that out. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll, with all the pleasantries out of the way, we'll go ahead and toss to the trailer for Jangle. A century ago on the low hills along the border between the Southern states and turbulent Mexico, a mystery man appeared. A man with a sad, impenetrable face. Django! Django, have you never loved again? Love will live on, oh, life has gone oh, oh, you cannot spend your life was that man? What was his secret? It's not important. And if I bothered you, will you accept my apology? He was pitiless in revenge, quick to decide and a master of every weapon. A man everybody would like to have seen dead. Yeah, his name is Django. Django, the title of a film you'll never forget. Django. How many men you got left? You tongue-tied? Or don't want to tell me? <laughs> Too bad, Maria. Django, an audacious man of action, capable of a tender, hopeless love, which could only last a day, but a day which was worth all eternity. I'm glad I made you feel like a real woman. Very glad. I mean Django. Django. A new, ruthless, violent film. Featuring a great new star, Franco Nero, and a great supporting cast. All right, so there's the trailer for Django. So, uh, Smoke, I know this isn't the first time you've ever seen it, but Donnie, what about you? This was a first-time watch for me. I, I had not seen it pre- uh, previously. Glad I watched it, though. It was had, a good one. Had you ever seen, at the least, uh, Django Unchained, you know, the Tarantino flick with Jamie Foxx? Have you, had you seen that one yet? I, I, I No. Oh, wow. Short answer is no. That might be one we have to throw on Cult Corner eventually, too, man. That's, that's another great one. Um, I've seen that one. And I've, I don't, if I've seen this movie, it was a really, really long time ago. Cause there were certain aspects of the movie. I remember like, mm. 
not just the song, right? Because that song gets stuck in your head even from the because they play the same song, Don. You're not aware of it. This song is in the Tarantino flick too, mm. in Django Unchained. But not just from that though. I remember certain scenes. So I must have seen this at some point. But God, man, that must have been you know a whole other lifetime ago. That must have been a long time ago. Rented it back in the day, or maybe I saw it on cable back in the day. I saw it sometime back in the again in the late '80s, early '90s, and then uh. I rediscovered it when Anchor Bay put it out first on VHS, and I think I still have the, v- the Anchor Bay VHS because you know they they released some stuff on VHS as DVD was coming to be. So it was about ninety seven, ninety eight when I bought that uh, VHS because I didn't have a DVD player yet in ninety eight. Uh, so I bought the Anchor Bay VHS, and that's how I kind of was reintroduced to it. So I hadn't seen it since late eighties, early nineties until I bought that back in it was late nineties, early two thousand. So there was a good decade in there that I went, you know without watching it so ever since then i saw it once back in the day back in the day and then i've probably seen it maybe three other times before this so i've probably seen it almost maybe four or five times now's a good time as any to go ahead and dive into the background information now uh some of this i felt was pretty interesting including these two alternate titles that i found because i think these are more yes they're alternate titles but they're more like translations of titles that are just kind of so off the rails from what the name of this movie, like literally in almost every sense of the way, this movie is called Django just about anywhere in the world. Right. Except apparently in Japan, in Japan, (laughs) the literal title, there's two, there's two, I guess, translations, however you want to phrase it. The literal title is wilderness bodyguard continued. (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) The second one, the second one, this is even better. Smoke. You might appreciate this. A Fistful of Dollars Part 2. <laughs> and that is the <laughs> that is the Japanese English alternative transliteration or transliteration. That's about right. That's me. Trans- Tran- <laughs> the <laughs> Let me start that over again. That is the Japanese English alternative transliteration title. A Fistful of Dollars Part 2. <laughs> I would think that uh, everybody involved would probably take offense to that as far as like Sergio Corbucci, <laughs> Franco Nero. Even though Franco Nero, okay, you could say Franco Nero does look quite a bit like Eastwood looked in yeah. the Spaghetti Western days, which is probably why you know he got these jobs and actor in these movies. But but yeah, I think it. Uh, I think that sells it a little bit short. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not to say that this is any better than you know Fistful of Dollars by any means. It's but, different than a but lot different. Not than. a copy of it, you know. A lot different than yeah. It was released April sixth, nineteen sixty six, in Italy, and it wasn't until. December of 1966 here in the United States that it would have been playing, you know, in the drive-ins or wherever it got played. Uh, it was produced by BRC Produzione Film and Tassisa, Tassisa, I guess that's how you say it, T-E-C-I-S-A, Tassisa. And it was distributed by Euro International Films. This movie is not rated and it has a total runtime of one hours or one hour, I'm sorry, and 31 minutes. Uh, it was filmed around uh, in spots around Madrid, Spain, and in different various spots around Rome, Italy, uh, from December of 1965 to February of 1966. From one one thing that I could tell, one of my sources, it said that there were there have been over 30 unofficial sequels to this movie. <laughs> I guess Django does Manhattan or whatever the hell, right? There's, there's <laughs> over 30, over 30 of those that have you know some type of Django in the title or something. But only Django one. Django in space. But only yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like uh, the Amityville movies, right? There's four yeah. Amityville movies. But there's only <laughs> one official sequel to the movie, and that was called Django Strikes Again, 
that that actually had Franco Nero, you know, reprising the role of Django, and that came out in 1987. And then apparently there has still been talk of a third movie being made titled Django Lives. And uh, best I can tell that that's kind of still in development. It sounded like it was actually getting pretty close to happening before COVID, you know, kind of changed everything, really. And then it just kind of went away again. But maybe maybe that's something that sees the light of day one of these days. Who You know, who knows? But there is a series, uh, which I guess is kind of a modern reimagining, so to speak, of this original story. I don't know exactly, you know, what the ins and outs of it are. But there's going to be a series that it looks like, from what I can tell, is set to debut pretty soon uh, in the UK, just called Django. So that might be interesting to get our hands on one of these days to see, you know, how it compares. This movie was directed and the story was written by Sergio Corbucci with his brother. Now, he directed the movie, but he also wrote the story and the screenplay with his brother, Bruno Corbucci. Sergio, though, he would best be known for The Great Silence. And like tons and tons of spaghetti westerns, right? Smoke. I mean, you may know a little more about the work of uh, Sergio Corbucci than I do. Yeah, that was. You just mentioned one of his best ones, I think, is uh, and I, you know, I almost chose it for this. I almost went with the Great Silence. It is fantastic. The setting for that one is different than most. And well, this also might as well mention the setting of most of these spaghetti westerns are different <laughs> than your average American produced western because the nature of Italians and the way they shoot and that we've talked about this one of the horror movies I mean they have very visual sense of a scene or whatever where it's and doesn't matter whether it's a horror movie or a western or whatever it's going to be sort of a dreamscape of sorts you know very stylized if it's a western scene it might be fog for no reason fog is going across the scene or whatever or winds blowing tumbleweeds across and all that. I mean it's very visual very dreamlike or whatever so uh and for Django, it's, it has to do with the mud. There's mud everywhere. I was in about to city. say, like, <laughs> to me, the thing that was striking in this one is how much mud there was. There was. <laughs> yeah, mud everywhere. But you know, with all with with all the horses, yeah, with all the horses, like how much of that is shit? Yeah, you know, I was thinking, like, not necessarily. I was thinking not necessarily of that, but like, I was thinking, like, you know, that is probably a very realistic quality of how it would have mm. been how the streets, the shape of the streets and whatnot would have been in the old West. If you think about it though, it like it would have been like probably just muddy and nasty and, you know, uh, from rain, maybe not even so much rain, but like, like you said, from like horse shit and just piss and, and, <laughs> and even human feces and stuff, right? Like it probably just would have been nasty at all times. So that's probably a fairly good representation of how the, especially in a little one horse town like this, right? Literally like, you know, where everyone's been run out of town. Yeah, but in that other movie I was talking about that I was going to choose was Great Silence. Know that that other Sergio Corbucci film, but uh, in it, it's the setting is snow, and you don't really see too many snow settings in westerns. And I believe I, I haven't really dug into this, but I would have kind of assumed that Tarantino's uh, what was the 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 other western he made called had eight in the title, The Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. A lot of that, some of that was shot in snow, and I would definitely, pretty much, I, I, like I said, I haven't read it, but I almost bet my left testicle. Yeah. Or the right one. I don't know. One of them. No, I'm not betting my testicles on Whichever Never one you mind. need less. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that that he got uh, inspiration probably from The Great Silence for uh, the snow settings in The Hateful Eight. You're probably not wrong at all. Because I, I know, like, too, I think he's pretty tight with uh, Franco Nero, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, yeah, like, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And uh, and speaking of Cor- Corbucci, some of his other ones, uh, Navajo Joe is another great one. I mean, he's got a ton of them. I mean, we could just keep going. I could just keep rattling off Corbucci titles. And some of those we'll get to, again, especially 
down the road, if I get to you know picking the Great Silence or like I said, Navajo Joe, I'd probably go to one of those as well. But primarily known for that, but his earlier stuff was like dramas, musicals, as a lot of Italians were in those early, say, '50s era. He did some of the pe- what's called peplum. It's a subgenre in Italy, which is basically sword and sandal movies, movies dealing with uh, Roman uh, mythology and things, you know, Hercules, etc. As as you know, well, Canon did some of those too. We'll we'll get some of those on oh, Canon Potter, like uh, Frigno as Hercules. Hercules, as I, I could yeah. see it playing in my mind. It's almost like the Django <laughs> song. As soon as you said Canon, I was like, oh shit, Hercules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even Canon got in on the peplum because uh, that was I believe directed by an Italian director too. I believe uh, maybe Sergio Martino. I can't really. I can't think of exactly which one, but but yeah, like, even Canon got in on the uh, the peplum thing. <laughs> Uh, but back to Django here, this movie stars Franco Nero as Django, the title role. Uh, he would uh, po- poss- possibly, I mean, like, dude, you might know him from a thousand different movies. The dude has literally been, what, hundreds of uh, IMDb credits. As I just mentioned, Canon, he was uh, the ninja, the main ninja in uh, Enter, the Amer- ninja. Uh, Enter, the, Enter the Ninja. Enter the Ninja, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Enter the Ninja. Uh, he had smaller roles, of course, but, you know, bigger movies, Die Hard 2. He was in that. Uh, mm-hmm. He actually had a small role in, actually in Django Unchained, although he wasn't playing the part of Django. They, they told a different story there, but he had a completely different role, but he was in Django Unchained. Uh, even a small role in uh, John Wick Chapter 2. So e- even up to this day, this day and age, uh, Franco Nero is still, still kicking around. He's still doing stuff. Uh, it also stars Lordana Nusiak as Maria. Uh, she may also be known from No Way Out and uh, Gladiator 7. Uh, Jose Badalo as General Hugo Rodriguez. Uh, I just thought this was hilarious. I have no idea what this movie is, but he was he was known for a movie called El Crack. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Sound of Horror. Uh, Eduardo Fiardo as Major Jackson. Uh, he would also be known from The Murder Mansion, which I don't know that movie either, but it sounds awesome. And uh, Ace of Hearts. But all these ac- actors and actresses, you know, played in a ton of... Uh, uh, Italian titles, you know, spaghetti westerns, and uh, you know, a number of uh, of, of TV shows and series later in, in throughout the sixties and seventies. So, uh, a few recognizable faces if you're into that, you know, genre of stuff. You know, you probably would have seen a few of these faces for sure. I, I know um, that in several countries it was banned <laughs> for the violence, and that's another yeah. thing that I like about these Italian movies is they don't shy away from brutality. A lot of them. <laughs> I mean, this isn't even the most brutal of the Italian, you know, once no. we get further down the road of doing some of these spaghetti westerns, but, uh, but it's got, it definitely has its moments and what it was, uh, the, the UK board, you know, they rejected it originally too. So, uh, yeah, it, it's got some notoriety behind it. Yeah. They were notorious for, you know, cracking down on, you know, these type, not, not only horror, but these type of movies as well, you know, with the video nasties and all that kind of stuff, you know, years later. So that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, another thing, uh, after, uh, I guess after filming ended, Corbucci told uh, Franco Nero to, uh, you know, drag uh, Django's coffin up a hill, you know, without turning around. Um, And then by the time he reached the top, uh, the crew had already packed up uh, and left. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. That is is awesome. Yeah, (laughs) that's hilarious. Everybody just packed up and left. He turned around. Everybody's gone. Yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Yeah. Also, I guess we might as well talk about the title 
of the movie too, because the title of the movie comes from a uh, is is a reference to the jazz guitarist Django Reinhardt, who was bigger at the time maybe that this movie came out than maybe some people would know now. And he had a crippled hand, and there's a scene in this movie which we'll get to as we're going through the plot. A crippled hand plays into the plot, of course. Hmm. Two crippled hands, to be yeah. more precise. Yeah. <laughs> Two extremely crippled hands. It's refreshment time, and our refreshment stand is loaded with good things to eat. There's crispy, crunchy popcorn, and hot, delicious buttered popcorn, lots of candy, and frosty, refreshing cold drinks. Why not treat yourself at the refreshment center now? For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So I went over to Audible, and I just typed in Django to see what will pop up. And it looks like really only one thing. I mean, there's multiple uh, things that popped up, but only one thing that actually has anything to do whatsoever with anything called Django. The other ones, I don't know exactly. Okay, it's it's an uh, there's an author. There's an author named Django Wexler, so that's what these other things are coming from. But the first one that pops up is Django, The Life and Music of a Gypsy Legend by Markle Dregney. That one is, uh, let's see, a little over 15 hours long. And then I'll just read one of these, the title of one of these books by uh, old uh, Django Wexler, uh, The Price of Valor, The Shadow Campaigns, Book 3. It looks like there's at least five of those books here because there's a book five right above it. But uh, that one is... Uh, Almost 21 hours long, so that's a pretty pretty big novel. So, yeah, if any of the works of Django Wexler <laughs> uh, interest you or uh, this book about this gypsy legend Django, uh, it's all available there on Audible. So if you want to go check those out, you can uh, uh, go over to audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash spookshow for your free audio book. So I'm going to hop back over to IMDb, and I'm going to type, or uh, not type. I don't like typing. I like clicking. I'm going to click on plot summary and see what pops up. And we've got, uh, we've got three here. We've got the, the simple sentence one, a coffin dragging gunslinger and a prostitute become embroiled in a bitter feud between a clan of Southern racists and a band of Mexican revolutionaries. This one was contributed by Nick Reginas on IMDb squelching across a godforsaken ghost town near the U S Mexican border, always dragging a heavy coffin Blue-eyed Django, a drifting, mud-spattered former Union soldier, saves runaway Maria from certain death. But the wooden container with the mysterious content has already caught the attention of the racist ex-Confederate officer, Major Jackson, and his gang of white supremacists, and before long, things get nasty. Now the guns have the final say, and as if that weren't enough, Jackson's sworn enemy, General Hugo Rodriguez, and his feared revolutionaries enter the picture, wanting to have a piece of the action. Can Django, the taciturn stranger with the lightning-fast right hand, take on two armies of murderous henchmen and live to tell the tale? And then the last one, because it's a little shorter than that one. Walking through the desert dragging a coffin, a lonely cowboy rescues Maria from a group of bandits. That cowboy is Django, and he arrives in a muddy ghost town ravaged by those bandits, where only the saloon and the brothel, owned by Nathaniel, are open. Soon, Major Jackson, who charges protection fees from the dwellers, rounds his gang up to face Django. Then a mercenary and acquaintance of Django, General Hugo Rodriguez, arrives in town, and Django proposes a bold plan to steal the gold from Jackson and split between them. Yeah, I mean, at, at first, you know, like, I was kind of having a hard time trying to figure out what the hell this movie really was about. You know, like, what was the end game? What was the point? You know, not to say that there's not a story going on, because there is, mm. but it, I think it takes you a minute, just in my opinion, to kind of grasp what's going on. But I will say... 
it grabs you right off the top with that song, right? I feel like, bam, <laughs> like literally, bam, as soon as you hit play. Yep. Right. Yep. And with then, the song, and then with him dragging that coffin. That's right? what I was about to say. The, and if the song isn't yeah. enough. Oh, yeah. If the song isn't enough, it's the coffin, right? Like you're like, okay, what, what's this about? When you yeah. when you realize that he's taking this coffin wherever he goes, you know, you're like, all right. Are we going to spend the whole movie trying to figure out what's in that coffin or not? You know, that that's kind of the interesting hook at the beginning. But past that, it kind of like, you know, you really struggle to find out why, you know, until a good ways in. Why is this happening? Why is any of this happening? Why is he here? Why does he want these people? You know, he clearly has some past with this Major Jackson and everything. And, and you, you know, I think some of those things are answered, but not all those things are answered. Some of those things you have to kind of infer yourself, right? Yeah, we probably should we probably should stop here and do the uh, do the disclaimer, right? About the uh, spoiler. Yeah, build yeah, podcast. Yeah, you're right <laughs> because we can get into them real quick here with this one. Uh, mm-hmm. If you yeah. haven't listened to us before and you're listening this far, that's a good point. We are a spoiler filled podcast, so we're going to. If you've never seen this movie, we're going to spoil it for you. So we encourage you to go find a copy, check uh, and check it out yourself. You know, hit pause, come back after you've watched it and then listen to the rest of this conversation. Cause otherwise, yeah, it's going to be torn to shreds and picked apart and spoiled for you. So <laughs> that's a good call smoke. I just figured before we announce what's in the coffin, <laughs> cause that is a, that is a, a mystery, a mystery. That's uh, just pretty cool. Whenever you do see what it is. Oh yeah. In the coffin. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he's, he, he shows up in the middle of this horrible situation. Like this woman has been tied up and sh- getting the shit beat out of her. Uh, by what I'd say about four or five like Mexican revolutionaries. Right. And then yeah. some of what you f- come to find out afterwards are major Jackson's men, which are like these, you mm. know, basically these ex Confederates that are just, you know, out to continue their own little personal war. Right. Um, mm. they roll up, kill the Mexican revolutionaries. And then oh, now we're going to kill her ourselves kind of thing. Right. So, <laughs> So Django comes shangling up, shambling up with his coffin, and then uh, he takes them all out and saves her from being. Uh, I guess they were about to burn her on the cross or something, right? Something, yeah. And also, this is probably a good point to say that, like, there are besides Django, and I mean, it's an Italian thing, so they're they're, and also a rugged Western outlaw type thing. That there's not really other than Django and maybe the prostitute or whatever that he's, you know not hooking up with, but that he's befriending or whatever. There's not really many good guys in this movie. Cause you think, no. of course, you know, the, the ex Confederates trying to, you know, continue their thing. And then you got the Mexican revolutionaries doing their thing, but none of them are good guys. Really. I mean, they're fighting each other, but you find out, you know, you think, okay, well, these ex Confederates are getting killed off. That's cool. Okay. They're the bad guys. And then all of a sudden the Mexicans come to the forefront, but they're not any better. <laughs> you know, they're equally, you know, messed up as far as what they're doing. And so that it's just that you're there. The only good guys really that you got to uh, look to in the movie is Franco Nero really. And maybe the bar, the bartender is not, that, not a bad guy or whatever, you know, but there's <laughs> he, not really, he's just a it's not clear good guys versus bad guys other than like said, Franco Nero being the main focus. He's just basically your, your average saloon pimp, <laughs> you know, with a heart of gold. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the saloon built with article. Yeah, you're right about that. It's and even Django really is more of like an anti-hero kind of thing, right? Like, you know, yeah, um, because he's not really, you know, he's not the virtuous hero or whatever you want to call it. He's just slightly more palatable than the rest of these fools, you know, in this in this movie. But 
you know, like th- there's that weird situation too with Major Jackson where like clearly like there's these Mex- there's this band of Mexican revolutionaries who basically can't go back to Mexico, right? Because if they go back to Mexico, they're going to be killed. Then you've got yeah. Major Jackson, who's an ex-Confederate, I guess, major, whatever he is, colonel, whatever the fuck. And he's still got this group of men that I guess follow him blindly no matter what. I guess they just, yeah. they all still have like a hate boner, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> but then like, so Django pretty early on dispatches of uh, what, about five of Jackson's men. And then he's like, how many, yeah. men, how many more men you got? 48. All right, we'll go get them, bring them on down here. Right. Um, yeah. Then right. Django, you know, th- this is going to give the big reveal to get to my point. Django pulls out of the coffin that he's been toting around this whole time, a machine gun <laughs> and lays awesome. down and lays down just about every one of these men, like maybe, you know, 10 of them get away or so. Right. Like most of them, all get mowed down by the machine gun in a coffin. Yeah, basically the 48 people that he said he had, he comes back to town, well, to this one-horse town with, and Django's sitting behind this giant tree trunk, this old tree stump thing on the ground, with the coffin sitting there, right? Yeah. They're just keeping coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in around the sides of buildings, coming in on horses until all 48 of them are there. And then, yeah, he just, like, rips open the coffin lid, jerks out the Gatling gun, and just... Now I say all, I say all that to say right before that happens, Jackson and his men are basically just cold blooding, cold blooded like murdering Mexicans in the streets. Like they have them all like as prisoners or something. Then he just let them go one at a time and then let them run as far as they can and then just pow, and then another <laughs> one pow. You know it's just fucking horrible, cold blooded, yeah. right? Basically, yeah. for nowhere, no reason other than fuck you, we're going to do this. And these are Mexicans, right? That's, that's the whole premise. Fast forward to after Django massacres all of his men with the, with the machine gun. Right. And now he's at this fort. There's a fort called Fort Chiriba that I guess Jackson is at. Now these men mm. that are there, are they not Mexicans in that fort where they go and steal the gold? Right. It wasn't that like a Mexican I, fort where Jackson is there with the Mexicans or did I read that wrong? I thought, no, I thought that the, uh, the, Me- the Mexican revolutionaries were, uh, I don't want to say feuding, but um, kind of enemies with Jackson. Is they, that? Yeah, they are, and, and that that they establish that pretty quick. You know, once you meet the Mexican revolutionaries and uh, uh, General Hugo and all that. But I mean, like when they go and steal the gold. Or remember Django? He convinces yeah. uh, General Hugo to like, hey, if we go over here to the Fort Chiriba and we steal this gold, then you guys, you know, I'll take my cut, and you guys got enough gold to go back to Mexico, right? That's the whole premise of it. So when they go mm. to steal the gold. Is that not a fort of Mexicans or did I just read what the, I mean, cause like major Jackson is now hanging out with like the Mexican army is what it looked like to me. Or did I read what that fort was wrong? I guess no, that's, I, that's what it looked like to me as well. But I mean, I guess they're, cause they're revolutionaries versus the Mexican, like the, the Mexican army. That's- right. Yeah, but yeah. like, are you, are you referencing as far as like how the soldiers looked or yeah, like, like cause they, I, they're so, you know, those soldiers that are with major Jackson at that fort, when they go to steal the gold, yeah. what, what are those soldiers? Are those Mexican soldiers mm. or are they just more of Jackson's men that Django didn't mow down and they all hang out at this fort? I guess that's my question. Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause I just, uh, once again, you know, with you know, this, with this being, uh, um, I guess kind of shot in, um, you know, Spain and, uh, Italy, that's a good question. I don't know how to answer it. Yeah. I, I was just kind of unclear on that because like, clearly like 
this dude's a racist old ex-Confederate Southern guy who does not like Mexicans. He's cold-blooded murdering Mexicans in the streets. Then turns around and like, oh, by the way, they're, they're, the Mexicans are keeping my gold at this Fort Cheribo over here. <laughs> so he's hanging around with them as the Mexican revolutionaries show up to steal his gold. So it's just, it, I was just trying to make sense of that whole thing, you know, right? But mm. I don't know. I, I guess, you know, once again, someone smarter than me that can, uh, understands the story a little better could maybe say, oh yeah, well that was, that was Jackson's leftover men that Django didn't mow down. You know, right. I don't know, but regardless, still the whole coffin thing, cool as shit, you know, that with the machine gun popping out of there. Yeah. And the funny thing is too, is all that shit happens like in the first 30 to 40 minutes of the movie. So like the first half of the movie, you're about halfway through the movie. You feel like you could end it right there. You know, you really could, you could just say, all right, well, you know, whatever his motivations were, his revenge, you hadn't really made that clear yet. Well, he basically just killed Jackson and uh, well, he hadn't killed Jackson, but he killed most of Jackson's army and all of his men. You could have ended it right there, but then you look at it like, wait a minute, there's still 45 minutes of this movie left. So what, what still needs to play out? But then you come to find out there's this whole back and forth with general Hugo and his men, how like he, he, they help each other go steal the gold. Then as soon as they get back with the gold, of course, Hugo doesn't want to give up Django's part to him. So then there's this long ass scene where Django has to steal the gold by putting it in the coffin, dragging yeah. it back out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really long thing, but basically he steals the gold, drags it back out, sets up the machine gun as a distraction to get out, eventually manages to get out, and then quickly fucking loses the whole coffin of gold in a quicksand pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which actually, you know, the, at the at the beginning when he, uh, when he saved Maria from the, uh, I guess it was Jackson's man, there was, he shot that leftover guy and the dude uh, fell over and just disappeared in the quicksand. Yeah. So I guess you know they're they're setting up that that point that yo you know there is a there's a random thing of quicksand <laughs> under that bridge. Yeah, quicksand can happen, you know. I guess so. F- fucking quicksand never fails. And, <laughs> Especially in every, it's like, it was a thing in every, almost every, uh, Western wasn't smoke. Like there's fucking quicksand. (laughs) Including, uh, parodies like Blazing Saddles. (laughs) Yeah. It was all, it seemed like it was always a thing. Although this one felt, I I don't know. I've never seen quicksand in real life to, to, (laughs) to look like, to, to tell what the texture or the look of it really is. All I've ever seen it in is, is in movies, right? So like, but this quicksand looked weird to me, like compared to quicksand that I've seen in other movies. Like, yeah, this one just looked like, which is probably what it was, was just water with a little bit of stuff thrown on yeah, top was, of it. Yeah, they just they just threw a handful of gravel on top. Like, yeah, it's quicksand. Shut yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look very consistently thick like you see. And like I said, I haven't uh, seen it in real life either. But most, you know, most movies they try and make it thicker looking. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it almost looks like uh, oatmeal. Yeah. <laughs> It don't, does. Don't fall into the dangerous oatmeal pit under that bridge. Everybody knows about it. But basically his motivation was, if I, you know, put the puzzle pieces together, right, is he was in love with some woman, that that woman that's on the, the gravestone, right, her name, Zaro, whatever her name was. And yeah. she dies, mm-hmm. I guess, either Jackson either killed her or because of Jackson, right? So he has come back for revenge on Jackson. Yeah, that's what I that's what I got from that from them from the what you see the the tomb not tombstone but the cross right yeah yeah the gravestone yeah and the, the gravestone yeah um and then the symbolism you know kind of to fast forward a little bit when you get toward when you get to the end when there's that final showdown between Django 
and Jackson and a few of his men, um, you know, we'll get to that, I guess, in a second, because there's one big, really big scene that happens before you get to that. And that's what, oh, yeah. what yeah. Hugo does to Django, right? Yeah, when he just smashes, I mean, takes the butt of his rifle and smashes his fingers in the ground. That's just, just in a pulp, a bloody pulp. I and mean, I don't know how many times <laughs> that he just like smash, smash, man, with the yeah. butt of his rifle, just kept doing it, right? Crush, and you, you just pulverize both of his hands. Yeah, both of his hands, just like a bloody pulpy mess on the ground, and just leave. They just leave him there like that, right? broken. And that was all for, his bones in his hand, basically. And that was for stealing the gold, of which they they were going to steal from him anyways, right? Because <laughs> clearly yeah, that's what the way was it was going to play out. <laughs> but he's like, we don't. I'll kill. What, what did he say? We don't kill thieves. Would, we just basically we just fuck them up. <laughs> and yeah, then he did that. Yeah. I think I'd be I'd, I'd I'd try and find a way to get that gold out of that damn quicksand. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that much. That was there. one of the that was another one of the loopholes they never closed. Was like, so did anybody go back for the gold and <laughs> in the quicksand? Yeah, like how would you retrieve something from quicksand? Well, you know, I, was, I don't know. Is that I, known? I don't know the I don't know the logistics of quicksand. Like, how deep does it go? You know, I don't know what the general. <laughs> you know, you would think know. you would think you could like you know. I don't, I don't know. You would think that you would find a way <laughs> to get down to that gold. Well, I know enough to know that, like, say, a quicksand pit ain't a bottomless pit, right? So I don't know how deep it is, but I would imagine you'd be able to, say, tie a rope around a couple of guys, get them to go down in there and kind of grab a hold of it, tie a rope around it, and pull it out of there, maybe. I don't know. And then shoot them when they're, do- yeah, when, yeah, when they're yeah, done. Yeah, you got to tie up all the loose <laughs> ends. <laughs> because, I mean, yep. what are you going to do? Yeah, because obviously these are all unsavory people, and they'd probably try to steal you blind. So yeah, you'd hey, we got it, bam, bam. You'd have to shoot them right away. Such such is the old. Oh, shit. We skipped over a really brutal, another really brutal scene a little bit earlier on after uh, after Django takes out Jackson's men with the Gatling gun, and then the other Mexican bandits slash revolutionaries come riding into town. You have that one guy who was kind of sort of part of. Not necessarily part of Jackson's crew, but he was like a priest of yeah, some sort, a, right? Yeah, he was a preacher. Yeah, Bible. yeah uh, they called him yeah. uh, Brother Jonathan. Brother Jonathan, or yeah, when he's they get him, they, so the Mexican bandits or, or revolutionaries accost him. They're like, and they're teasing him about his ears or something, right? Hey, your ears are so big, they could, you know, because they, they're saying that he's like a spy for Jackson, right? That he's helping Jackson out. Yeah, because yeah, those ears are so big. Yeah, and then they then they take his knife out and slice one of his ears off and make him eat it. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you, that is awesome. And honestly, that's that's one of the most violent and underrated, you know, ki- that I would yeah. say probably the best kill. You know, yeah, I mean, pre- and pretty I, much like I know because pretty much everything else other than well, I mean, yeah, no, pretty much everything else that happens, if you think about it, is all just like people getting gunned down like yeah. five or six, five yeah. or six and, at a and time. Most of those guys, they weren't they. They didn't have the money, I doubt, to have so many squids. I mean, they could have. There would have been a bloodbath if they had had squids for every yeah. time somebody was getting oh, shot Lord. with that Gatling gun. Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah. So most of that gunplay wasn't even really that bloody, right? You see a couple of shots, maybe of somebody's head with some blood on it or whatever. But yeah, the the, the gunplay itself wasn't go- overly gory. It was those other brutal scenes with the the hands and the and the ear. Yeah, that really. Yeah, you know, I mean, they really cut, they cut the dudes ear off and make him eat it that was then, awesome then that was awesome. shoot him <laughs> they're like no, yeah, they're, yeah. as he's running away right doesn't he kind of like scuffle away and then they just yeah, yeah. yeah. shoot him Plus, in the back yeah. something else is that you know anytime anyone is shot they always they always throw their hands up in surprise yeah like yeah. there's a ball. 
and then they fall over. I didn't see that gun yeah. pointed right at me. <laughs> oh, didn't see it coming. Hi. <laughs> yeah, we, we would have to wait until, well, maybe not wait. I forget what year. Yeah. By the way, this was a movie I almost went with as well. The wild bunch. That's a mm. good one. That's a now, good one. Wild, but Sam Peckinpah, now he had, he was one that had really good blood squibs mm-hmm. <laughs> when, he, you know, in that movie, the wild bunch, as well as Pat Garrett and Billy, the kid, which was another title I was throwing around for this, but <laughs> that is definitely one of the more memorable scenes. I'd say right up there with, uh, him pulling the machine gun out of the coffin and, <laughs> yeah. and laying like, you know, 40 dudes down, uh, right <laughs> up there is brother Jonathan eating his own ear. Yeah. And it, and, and it, yeah. it, it's 19. Now I will add, this is 1966 brutality. So it's not quite as bad as say, like if they tried to do something like that today, they'd probably slow it down and make you make him eat oh, the yeah. ear with a knife and fork. And you know, you'd, it would be, <laughs> well, they show him chewing on it or whatever, like making him chew yeah, on it and yeah. all this, you know, you would see the knife cutting the, the cartilage from the ear. And yeah. this movie, you see a knife go towards the ear and you see the knife go down, but you don't yeah, see now, it making contact. All of a sudden you see like the a bloody ear. Latex. Yeah. They put it in his <laughs> mouth and then he kind of scuffles away and they shoot him. But still, for what they still, were doing, the, you still get what they were doing. Are. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But that that's a very memorable scene. Um, but like I said, you, you come down to after Django gets his hands crushed, that basically eventually leads you up to the, the the big scene at the end. Maria got shot or something too, right? Like trying to help him. And then he takes her back to the, the saloon where Nathaniel is still yeah. there. Nathaniel is helping her. Meanwhile, Jackson's men roll up and they kill Nathaniel. But I think Maria is still there, right? Like I think that was kind of the end of her story, right? Like she's shot in the gut, but she's still laying there on the yeah. couch in that saloon, right? Um, I guess yeah. she's okay. But then you go to what Django did during this moment was he went to the cemetery. He went to the grave of, I guess his former love and his hands are crushed. So he can't really do anything with the pistol that he's got, but he's still that final stand. Mm-hmm. And then Jackson yeah, like, for- propping the pistol up, right. And trying to cock it, but his hands are all jacked up and messed up. And then yeah. he keeps dropping the pistol and then propping it back up there. And meanwhile, Jackson's men are coming in or what's left of them, which yeah. is only think- conveniently enough. I think yeah. six, right? <laughs> I, I was like five men plus Jackson. So yeah, it's just, just the right amount. Um, <laughs> But they kind of yeah. have a little bit of a face off. They talk a little bit and then Django shoots all of them. Like he, he musters up enough, I guess, <laughs> uh, energy, however you want to phrase it in his hands to just pat, 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 you know, he mows all six of them down and that's, that's pretty much as it ends. But the symbolism that I was talking about there at the very end where he has the pistol kind of jammed up on the cross and then mm-hmm. he, he shoots all six, five or six guys and then the pistol was still hanging there off the cross with blood yeah. on it. Oh yeah. As blood all over the yeah. hand from his hand or whatever. Yeah. As the movie ends. I, I thought that was a cool little, you know, s- the symbolism to like, all right, well, I got my revenge for whatever happened to her. The end. Yeah. You know? So it, it, I think it took it a little while throughout the movie, in my opinion, to get to what the point of this movie was other than just, you know, yeah. a dude coming in and mowing everybody down. But I think once you got <laughs> there, right. Uh, Overall, I felt it was a really good story, uh, and I think that kind of redeemed him a little. That kind of redeemed his character a little bit because once you find out that it is about his former love, is he's taking revenge for her, it made him a bit more of a, I don't know, likable or heroic type figure or whatever, rather than just being out for the gold. You know, like he's just stealing the gold from him or whatever, and he's going off into the trying to take it and go his own way or whatever. 
yeah. they could have left it at that. And then he, you know, he wouldn't really his character wouldn't have been, I guess, as as high as you see him as at the end of the movie. Like you said, with that symbolism of the gun on the the cross of his former love that the Jackson's men had killed, or Jackson himself had killed, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so without ever have seen that second one that they made, you know, uh, what twenty something years later, and without there even being a thought of there's going to be another one of these stories with Django in it, that's a good ending of it. Like, well, mm. you're left to assume yeah. that like he got his revenge. Now he's hanging up his gun, so to speak. And now he can go live his life with Maria that they had talked about in the movie. So I think that's, yeah. I think it's a good full circle type of story in the end. Uh, although some of the pieces you have to infer yourself, but you know, I think once you kind of stop and think about it and figure it out, you know, you get there. So since this is cult corner, we don't do kill counts and we don't do gore scores and everything. Honey, where's the cult connections? Come out and play. Well, you got them. All right. All right. So, uh, <laughs> maybe surprisingly, not, maybe not surprisingly, uh, there are no connections to uh, to any of of any of the past Spook Show episodes. Though we did talk about uh, Franco Nero being um, the main ninja and Enter the Ninja, which we will get to on uh, on Cannon Fodder. So you know there is that potential. I don't want to say potential. That is eventual, an eventual connection, um, but nothing uh, to past Spook Show episodes for cast or crew. It's unsurprising since <laughs> we haven't done. Yeah a lot of this type of stuff, you know, so it, it makes sense. I see. So yeah, I guess that's, uh, you know, pretty much where we'll, we'll leave it as far as like, you know, what the, the things that we normally do, but we can't get out completely without giving our star ratings. Now on Colt corner, we have a slightly different, uh, scale. Like we're not necessarily comparing this to like the usual horror movies that we do. And we're, we're certainly not comparing it to, uh, you know, Canon films that has its own little cannonball rating scale. This is its own living, breathing little organism where we're actually comparing it against other legitimate theater, you know, or not theater, but other legitimate films, so to speak, right? Like you're actually would be comparing this to say the Godfather or, you know, those type of things. So smoke, I'll let you go first since this was your pick. I know it was a wheel spin, but you, you selected the movie. So, uh, what what are your thoughts on your star rating? Oh yeah. As I said, it's probably been the fifth time I've seen it now Uh, and I definitely enjoy it each time. Uh, it's been a while though since I've gotten back around to it, so it's good to see to pull it out and watch it again. It's been a number of years, anyways. It's that being said, it's not my favorite Sergio Corbucci film. I, I didn't decide to go with. I don't. I won't say what that is until at some point on the show when we get to it. But, uh, but it is up there as far as spaghetti westerns, as far as uh, the reputation of the title, helped out of course by Tarantino doing Django Unchained and using the uh, by now for us anyways infamous song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one that uh, will get stuck in your head will, yeah. will be stuck in my head tonight as I'm trying to go to bed too. I'm sure. How could I forget? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a classic. I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, three and a half. Yeah. Um, so you know, one of the th- a couple of the, well, there's several things I liked. Uh, this was a first time watch for me. So uh, um, my dad is real big into westerns. I am. I'm not really. Uh, there's, there's a, you know, there's a handful that I like, uh, but it's, it's not a genre that I'm, uh, typically familiar with, but you know, that being said, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was cool to see the machine gun in the coffin that he's been lugging around, um, kind of, rem- well, this being the first time I watched it, I, you know, I drew 
kind of comparisons to uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, El Mariachi um, has kind of like a similar element, uh, except it's, uh, you know, kind of spoiling that if you haven't seen that. So uh, it's almost as if Rodriguez and Tarantino might have seen these movies. Hmm. You think so? Not, not, but, uh, you know, and another thing is the, um, you know, just the brutal violence and, uh, you know, the action, you know, certainly, um, certainly, you know, chalks it up for me. Uh, um, I would say on the downside, you know, the dubbing is pretty bad. Um, uh, and th- there was the fight scene between, uh, Django and Ricardo, uh, that was in the saloon. I thought that was kind of weak. Um, uh, that that kind of maybe took it down a little bit, and uh, but no, my my star ratings that uh, I gave it three and a quarter. I, I enjoyed it. I w- I would absolutely watch this again. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with three. I, I'm gonna. I think that's fair on my scale. Uh, but I, I echo everything you guys just said. It, it's a it's a it's a fun watch. There's there's a few really cool memorable scenes, you know, for westerns. Does it stick out as much as some other spaghetti westerns, you know, of of the same time period? Not quite as much, but this one's a lot better than most from that time period. Cuz there it, just westerns period, right? I mean, there was that period in the what smoke from throughout the 50s and the 60s and into the early 70s kind of was like that golden era of the western, right? And yeah, well, like Donnie said, and I didn't really mention this either. But yeah, my dad was, as most of our dads probably were, and, yeah. and most men in that era probably were huge fans of Westerns. Westerns at that time were like the, you know, like us growing up on canon films and action movies and things of that nature. Yeah. Was, I know when our fathers grew up with Westerns. And uh, yeah, that's, so I got a lot of my Western watching, I guess, done it, or influences or whatever done through my dad. But he wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Italian. Spaghetti Westerns outside of Clint Eastwood ones. He loved the Clint Eastwood ones. Yeah, yeah. But his main thing was like the John Wayne, uh, John Ford directed type. Same. You know, American-made Westerns or whatever. But uh, So I didn't have a lot of experience with uh, Spaghetti Westerns until I looked them up on my own outside of the Eastwood ones. Yeah, like my dad, I had I had actually asked my dad uh, today. I was like, have you ever heard of this one? He was like, mm, no, who is, you know, ask questions. And he'd, he'd never heard of them. You would think, so, though, yeah. uh, as someone that likes Westerns like your dad, though, you would think if you let him watch it, I would think he would enjoy this. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Unless it goes a little bit too too far over the with the violence. There, there's probably... Yeah, more, sometimes the brutality, I guess, maybe throws off yeah, <laughs> generations yeah. that grew up. There is, I watched... There's uh, definitely more actually, violence in this my dad is... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, my my dad is actually the one that I uh, watched uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street with uh, when I was five, <laughs> so... Uh, He's, yeah, I just he's mean fine. that, like, if you're comparing this Western and ones like this to those, like Smoke said, those John Ford type, you know, those John Wayne type movies, mm. th- this is a whole other level, right? Like, and those, you might go a whole movie with only a few guys getting gunned down or something. Meanwhile, this this one has a scene. like blood come out, you know, or yeah, anything yeah. like that either. But in this <laughs> one, you literally have multiple scenes where guys are getting mowed down left and right, and one where 40 dudes get killed with a machine gun. So, like, this is more. People's ear- it was awesome. This is more than your average Western from 1966. I'll say that. Now, also, you know, and just to kind of float this out there, but, uh, um, you know, we'll probably see, uh, you know, that kill being brought brought back up again on the uh, (laughs) uh, on the year. Yeah. 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 The Spook Show Awards. (laughs) Yeah. Spook Show Awards. Yeah. I don't doubt that at all. This will probably 
that one in particular will probably be mentioned again, no doubt. Mm. Before we leave this one completely in the dust, I will say over on uh, IMDb, it got a rating of a pretty good rating, 7.2 out of 10. And that's over 29,000 IMDb ratings there. Mm. And on Metacritic, uh, you know, their scores go from zero to a hundred. It got a 75 over there. So that, that's two really high marks, uh, for this one. And over on Rotten Tomatoes, it got, now it had, uh, 15, only 15 critic reviews, but it still got a score of 93%, which uh, that's not certified fresh because I think there has to be a threshold of how many critic reviews there are for that, but still 93% out of the ones that reviewed it really good and an audience score of 83%. So across the board, everybody that, you know, I think generally most people that have watched this enjoyed the movie. And I think we echo that. And and I think it'll be interesting to see what, um, Will has to say about it, because like we said at the top of the program, uh, his history with Italian stuff, you know, it's (laughs) sketchy at best. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, but before we close up shop here, I'll talk about what we're going to be, we're going to be doing next week. You know, usually we have kind of a, uh, a back and forth kind of like with our horror selections, we all kind of pick one. So like Will will pick one, me, so on, right? And then we rotate back. Well, to get us back on to where we're not always picking the same old new movies, we always throw a wild card in there. So with that being said, this time we're going to do a wild card next week and it has to be a newer one. So we're just going to go right back to the old Hellraiser well and we're going to watch the next one. Hellraiser Inferno from 2000. For me, I think you're getting in that range of, it's debatable whether I've seen this or not. I think so, but I have to watch it to remember. So it's going to be interesting to see once we go back to the old Hellraiser well once again. And uh, coming closer and closer to, to, we're not there yet, but we're getting closer and closer to wrapping up the series. So we're closer to the end than we were the beginning. So I'll say that mm-hmm. with this one. <laughs> um, on IMDb, the synopsis says, A shady police detective becomes embroiled in a strange world of murder, sadism, and madness. After being assigned a murder investigation against a madman known known only as the engineer. We'll see. I know Will, once again, has been, he's probably been just as big a fan of uh, the Hellraiser movies as he was uh, Italian flicks. So <laughs> um, we'll see. We'll see what he has to say about this one. So I guess that's pretty much it, though. I think we've said enough. So I guess for, for next time when we uh, get to watch uh, Hellraiser Inferno, and for Will, hopefully he's back on. Donnie. Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We're from the All-American Spook Show, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Django, have you never loved again? Love will live on, life must on, for you cannot spend your life regretting. Django. I swear that's you. (laughs) As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.